We all need to laugh. We choose truth over facts. And now for a perpetual political protest in progress. Judge my physical mental suit, my physical as well as my mental suit fitness. Coffee time. And welcome to the Ammo Can Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. I'm Jason Floyd, your host, joined once again by Loretta Eaton and guest Bobby Judlicki. Uh Welcome to the Conservative Hour of Power, a weekly program that is provided by the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club located in Soldotna, Alaska, on the Kenai Spur Highway across from Best Western. Um, Today we're going to start out with a book, a book of rules. You like books of rules, don't you, Loretta? You come from, from oh, a place I'm, I'm, full of rules. When they used to do colors on people, I'm a gold person. You're, and gold person, I live by rules. I love gold, rules. The gold standard of rules. So wow. um, this, this, uh, this book of rules I'm going to read from today actually comes from one of our, um, one of our patrons here at Amacan Coffee. His name is Joshua Belter. And uh, Joshua is, um, he's an air traffic controller or works for the FAA, uh, and he uh, has to dive into um, all kinds of uh, policy and regulation and red tape, <laughs> and, and he, throughout his life, discovered that there are a lot of rules that aren't written down, and rules that make people really uncomfortable when you don't follow them. <laughs> and so, um, for instance... I'm just going to pick a rule here from, and he's written this like I- any good bureaucrat would do in a, in a very concise oh, manual uh, yeah, with, uh, okay, yeah. with uh, uh, images and examples. But this is uh, rule B-O-R from the Book of Rules, rule 4-5, touching hot plates. <laughs> so men over the age of 12 who touch hot plates at restaurants after being warned of high temperatures shall not be scorned ridiculed or oh. disciplined uh. this is a male genetic defect and no one knows exactly why it occurs well men don't want to be <laughs> i guess they don't want to be shamed or <laughs> laughed at or what do you think bobby you know i think men are slow learners <laughs> hey now hey now yeah, i love well, that one well, okay that has to be changed men are can, slow learners men are slow if, learners if we can uh <laughs> if we can uh, attest to the last couple of weeks of me trying to figure out the uh the technical aspects of podcasting and, and noise uh, uh, recording. Uh, oh. Some of the things we say is just noise, others words, and sometimes profound. The mispronunciation of words. <laughs> Book of Rules, Rule 6-14. Every effort should be made to ensure the English language is spoken correctly. Everyone should strive to continually increase and improve personal vocabulary. Mispronouncing words negatively impacts the way in which each one is perceived. Commonly mispronounced words include library, realtor, and federal. How do you, how do you mispronounce federal? I, you know, I'm not sure. So example A, or, or uh, item A, Always conduct the correction. 
of someone's grammar politely and discreetly. <laughs> Phraseology example. Hey, Carla. It's pronounced library. <laughs> and B. Uh, regional citizens may defend a m- mispronunciation by using a phrase such as we don't say it that way around here. <laughs> In such cases, a board of rule D1 disciplinary form may be issued for violating board of uh, rules 1-2A and board of rules 6-14. Dude, you could tell he's a bureaucrat. He is totally, you could tell he's a bureaucrat. Totally a bureaucrat. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. And even like saying the word creek or crick. Crick. What is it? Isn't a crick the sound an old person's bones make when they stand up? Yeah, but that that's, you know, that's, those are regional things, you know, like you, yes. when you're in Indiana, I think they have cricks and, yes. and gullies and, yes. and, and, uh, hollers. My daughter yes. phones me and she's going through the holler. Going through the holler. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when I need a restroom really bad in the woods. So... Uh, anyway, so other things to look forward to in the Book of Rules, The Right Way to Do Everything, written by Joshua Belter, uh, are proper toilet paper placement, uh, recommended order of taco ingredients, writing electronic communications while intoxicated, uh, maximum allowable number of shoes, acceptable pimple-popping practices, oh. Unauthorized alteration of shared computer settings, regulations on singing aloud with headphones, avoiding necessary conversation, and authorized uses of wind chimes. So um, he, this is a, it it is a quite a lengthy manual here. He's gone through great pains to categorize and um, identify. Uh, He has a very comprehensive index in the back. Um, very well written manual. Uh, we'll be extracting more knowledge from this in future shows. Does and he we sell? Hope, yes, he does. His uh, his book is available on Amazon. It uh, retails U.S. Uh, fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents. Which I got this book about three years ago, so I'm sure it's up to like thirty five now with inflation. <laughs> oh. uh, the Canadian price is fifteen point nine nine. Uh, Canadian dollars, which everybody knows are less valuable than U.S. dollars. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It tells you it tells you what the value of the country is. But I actually anyway. Have so to. Um, fits right in with my, you know, Alberta seeks legalization of pepper spray for self defense. Do tell. I, I thought the Canadians kind were of against l- sort of fighting back. I don't know. It says citing a rise in hate, and this is actually from. Some paper, I don't know what, the True North, it's a, I think it's a blog, actually. It, citing a rise in hate-motivated crimes and drug-fueled attacks. They're calling on the federal government to allow the use of pepper spray for self-defense. Well, they've taken away everything. I don't even think they're allowed sharp knives. Kind of like in England, they've taken knives away, right? You know? That only leaves bludgeoning with rocks, <laughs> which, you know... Well, I had read, was it maybe a few years ago, that a man was protecting himself, his home in Canada, and he hit the, the um, intruder with a baseball bat. And the homeowner yeah. was guilty for protecting himself. I, I don't remember that one, but I do remember the one. It was a farmer. It was in Alberta. It was out in the country. It was rural. He'd had people uh, 
come to his property and start doing damage and he shot in the air ricocheted and hit one of the um criminals wow lucky shot and no and it was and they the rcmp arrested him and he went to jail he went to court and he i you know if i'm remembering correctly he had a, a private lawyer came and said hey look you know this is wrong um that and it was weird because the criminal charged him the criminal said yeah i was i was robbing his place and i got shot you know that's that can't happen i'm like should be allowed to rob without you know consequences but they found out that it was right the rcmp never did investigate to find out that he was it was actually a ricochet they just took the criminal's word for it and said yeah he shot at me he said no i shot in the air and he was released from jail but he actually went to jail Wow. So, you that, know, that actually reminds me of a story from my youth. I was uh, babysitting my brother and um, he'll tell this story. So I'll tell this story because there's no hiding it now. But uh, when I was uh, a young man, I was not always the kindest person to my little brother. And um, one day we were outside chucking rocks and, you know, dirt clods and other things. And uh, I had a slingshot and I picked up a stone and I pulled it back and said, you better run. And he said, no, don't shoot me. And he took off running. And I very cleverly decided, haha, I'll just make it sound like I shot him. And I aimed at about a 90 degree uh, aim into the woods and let it fly. Mm -mm. No sooner had I let it fly, he dropped to the ground screaming bloody murder, saying, you shot me, you shot me, you shot me. And I had let the stone loose. It flew into the woods, hit a tree, ricocheted off the tree. (laughs) (laughs) bounced off of the woodshed in front of him as he was running fully away from me and ricocheted again and hit him square between the eyes. And I came over and said, oh, knock it off. I didn't shoot you. I shot into the woods. And he turned over, and how horrified was I to find his blood was just all over his face. And he's like, I'm telling Mom and Dad. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't mean it. I didn't Sibling mean it. Sibling rivalry, yeah. right? Yeah, but the, we for, can all the, the forensic evidence and the, and the victim interview exonerated me oh. from, from the mens rea, the guilty mind of trying to shoot my brother because I did not actually intend to shoot him, although it did occur. Um, so, uh, I, I was punished accordingly and, um, I don't know if he still has a scar or not, maybe an emotional one, but he went on to become a Marine, Marine Corps, uh, you know, force recon guy and way tougher than me. And he could break me by looking at me now. So, uh, you know, payback is, uh, there's some colorful words for what payback is, but anyway. So in real, in regards to that, going forward and present, we are looking at uh, people in our communities in the lower 48 and up here to turn in people that look suspicious. I'm screwed. That is true. <laughs> yes. What are we going to do about that? Well, you know, what I mean, there, there, there's that? other historic examples of that. You yes. know, I mean, the, the, uh, the, the uh, Stasi in East Germany, you know, right. that was a common thing that they would have their... F- encourage family members and neighbors to inform on each other that's right you know um uh the soviet union did that as well and other totalitarian regimes so does this mark uh, the beginning of a totalitarian uh, regime within our our uh, our culture well in our country totalitarian regimes need people that fall for it i mean they they can they can uh you know have all the edicts they want and they can demand that we do stuff. But until you become 
you you buy into it, which countries have all over the world. I mean, you look at what's happened, you know, during COVID in England. They had a line where people told turn people in there was a phone line you phoned and you could report it and Canada had the same Quebec did Quebec actually um, gave out awards I think it was as high as five thousand dollars for turning in people that broke COVID rules you know but uh, what you know I guess the thing that confuses me is why would people do it I'm I'm really I don't understand that why you would turn in your neighbor sure they're annoying you know, I think that there are some people that just feel like they are so insignificant in this culture, in this, uh, in this community, that any ounce of empowerment that the government gives them to be somebody or be something, uh, it, they, they play on their ego and on their weakness individually, on their weakness of character. And, and, um, and there are some people that that's enough of a motivating factor. This brings me to an example actually that just occurred here at Amokan Coffee. So in December, uh, the city of Soldatna, as I've spoken about before, wanted to uh, sort of take Anchorage's lead and start uh, putting some more of these restrictive mandates in place. And the business community and the broader community here in Soldatna pushed back hard. And one of the things that I did, looking at whether or not we could sub support and survive another uh, decree that said that we were not um, essential was to say, well, uh, what do we do if they do uh, bring these mandates into being? So we became a private club because that removes us from being a public facility. And a lot of people know that we're a private club. It's not a big secret that we are uh, conservative. We have a pink sign on our window that says equal rights for unborn <laughs> women. I regularly mm. see leftist hair catch on fire as they walk by. Um, <laughs> We're still flying our Trump 2020 flag proudly because we're hoping that uh, these audits around the country may uh, reveal some things that we have known and felt for a long you, time. You need a 2024 true. sign. Yeah. And that will really bring them in. Yeah. 2024. As soon as, as soon as the Trump campaign announces and, and we have those yeah. available, but as, you, you know, know as long I, as, I, yeah. I will be flying. As long as you leave the 2020 up, they just think you're lazy and didn't take it down. You know, when the minute you put well, the 24 we, went up, they go, oh, no. We had, still a, we had a woman walk into our shop last week, and Michelle was here. This always happens when I'm gone. And it's happened about four times. It's always middle-aged to older uh, women that do it. Um, I don't know why that is. I think they fit a, a demographic on the leftist side. They do. Um, but this, this uh, older woman in her 60s, uh, we know her name. Uh, it was not that hard to find out who she was. Uh, walked into the middle of our private club, and uh, something was off. And Michelle approached her and said, hey, uh, how can I help you? And she said, oh, I just came in to see all the white supremacists. Mm. And uh, there was a pastor sitting at uh, one of our living room sort of setups here. And he was uh, having coffee quietly with one of his congregants. And he looked up and said, well, we haven't seen any. And uh, Michelle said, well, I, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. We support our military, we support families and community and the rights of women, especially the unborn women. And um, the woman repeated the same words. Well, I just came to see all the white supremacists. 
and she kept her hands in her pockets the whole time. And Michelle was kind of concerned because the woman was acting bizarrely enough that you you don't know when somebody's going to just lose it and go postal. And uh, didn't know if she was just recording the conversation, trying to get a rise, or if she had violent intention. And so Michelle very calmly said, well... um, you're not going to find that here or something along those lines. I wasn't here. She relayed the story back to me. And, but long story short, she ushered the woman out and said, you know, this is a private club. Obviously, you're not a member, so you're welcome to leave now. And um, the woman left. See, well, I- you know, that was, that was the day after, the day after the FBI made a public uh, announcement that they were encouraging people... Mm to report anyone in their family or community that might have white supremacist motivations or tendencies. Do they even know what that means? I'm very serious. I'm pretty sure if you're white and you don't, you're not operating in a place of welfare, that you are a white supremacist. At this point, with critical race theory, it's basically whiteness is becoming Because I don't even know, you know, a woman in her 60s, I am so, I am so sorry. I'm in my 60s, and I apologize for all these psycho-liberal women in their 60s, because they should know better. Well, they belong to a certain demographic we were talking about earlier, and that demographic is the baby boomers. So that's a good transition point here. But I just wanted to bring some sort of common perspective and example to this broader national conversation about informing on each other and that are are, when your government starts to actively encourage people to inform on each other you you got to step back and ask what's really going on here so wouldn't a normal person would sit down and say why are you wanting me to do that like what is there about your agenda but Envy comes in all forms. This is a, a blog that I follow. Um, I followed this guy for years, Vox Day. He's quite, uh, sometimes I follow people and I, I don't really know anything about them. I just like their viewpoints and it spurs my imagination. Apparently he's quite radical. Vox Popoli is the guy and his, this is from July 15th. And the title of it is Shut Up Boomer. And he's, you know, I'll just read the text a bit. It's, it's certainly just as soon as the last boomer either repents or dies. If you don't like it, go away and watch Fox News or play pickleball or buy another condo or do whatever it is you boomers do as you wait your own personal day of the pillow. That's the personal day of the pillow is his. We're going to be uh, suffocated with pillows. It is, it is uh, someone is, it rebuts him and he says, this is a waste of an able mind and irrelevant to talk like this. You know, why are you saying these things about boomers? And the guy goes on, Vox Day goes on and says, it's not. The best way to convince the younger generations that they should not follow your generation's wicked example is to pour unrelenting scorn and contempt on you. No one wants to be like you. No one wants to be remembered the way you would be remembered. Your very identity has already become an offensive term like gay or Negro. It's a beautiful thing. And it's amusing that the boomers think it takes any effort at all to make a conclusively damning case against them. Every day in every way they're condemned by the state of the world they sought to create. And to just give one example, all of that ridiculous Mandela worship and bragging about ending apartheid in South Africa didn't exactly age well. So he was, I guess this is when the rioting and whatever. And I, you know, sometimes his, his um, 
he puts things in a context that only he understands. But I guess what he's saying is we were two boomers were so uh, positive about, you know, following uh, Mandela and that he was going to end all kinds of uh, problems that they had in South Africa, which never did. They, they, South Africa still does have problems. But, you know, I guess what concerns me is I find him cogent on other arguments, but he just hates boomers. And I'm not sure why. I, they, we've done bad things, yes, but not always. My perspective, I would say, <clears throat> is I'm in my 60s. I think many people are afraid to speak up. They're afraid to fend. They're, um, they want to go the route of least resistance. And they want to believe what they're being told on TV. Majority of people, or I'll say many people that I know that are in my age group, might listen to um, the mainstream media. And, and the younger people especially, but the people that don't watch mainstream media, that go to alternative sites and are getting educated, are m- many of them are still afraid to speak up because there's a cost. You can be rejected. You can be um, accused falsely. Canceled. I, I think we just have people that are, are afraid. And so for this Ammo Can uh, Club here, my hope is to meet uh, some more people because I would love to be able to encourage people to stand strong. So, Bobby, this is a a nice segue into one of the sort of focal points or purposes of the podcast, and that is to create strong conservative community through friendship and relationships. And how do you get to become a friend or become uh, have better relationships? It's by learning about the people sitting across the table from you. So um, just briefly, can you tell us a little bit about what conservatism means to you? Because we found uh, just in a short period of time that there's actually a pretty broad and diverse range of beliefs about what conservatism is. And um, that uh, that perspective is important when we consider just in our district, our House district here, District 30, that uh, there are more independent and undeclared voters than there are Republicans or Democrats, and that many of those folks actually identify as conservative. But what does that really mean anymore? Well, that is, um, that's an interesting question, Jason. If I were just to pick a few words how I would describe conservatism would be small government, live within your means, Um, uh, I'm a very strong pro-life, so I do take a stand and I'm vocal on that. I... um, work uh, uh, you know many conservative people I know tend to value work they might be drawing um, social security they might be also getting like a pension but they still value work they might be out cutting the grass they might be out shoving their shoveling their sidewalk if they physically clan they're out in the garden they're doing something versus just sitting and spending um, a lot of time on social media. They're actually doing things, they're volunteering. So, you know, that's, to me, it's a, um, it's a mindset. 
But I also see and know conservatives who are afraid to speak up. That they're conservative? Not that they're conservative, but they're afraid to speak up about what they see happening around them, what they maybe see happening in our government. They're simply afraid to speak up because they're afraid of being chastised, let's say, by family members, by friends, by church members. So they're willing to go the route of being quiet. And one thing I remember, I read um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's, um, the book about him was over 500 pages. And basically, you know, I remember him saying, in essence, to be silent is to speak, and to not act is mm-hmm. to act. Yeah. And... Which is another uh, s- summarized uh, yeah. statement that, you know, people have been saying this for a long yeah. time, but uh, Edmund Burke, also yeah. uh, a Scottish uh, statesman, said something very similar to that, saying the only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. That's right. Yeah. Now, remember back in the 70s. I, I can remember back in the 70s, and I knew people who were being drafted. Um, and... I knew people that were um, activists. They were a little bit older than me that were activists. And they were willing to take chances on that. They were willing to risk. Well, since the 90s, since I've been really learning about what's going on in our government um, and going forward, those people who were willing to risk are now older. I don't know too many people who are willing to risk their home, where they live, they're not willing to risk because their life is comfortable. And that, to me, is very disappointing. Well, I, I have oppositional defiant disorder. Sorry. <laughs> I'm always up. I, I, I think there's not, I, I understand not wanting to risk. I understand not wanting to. Um, I, I, I get that, but... I guess what really irritates me mostly about boomers, and and I'm a boomer, is I see them that there's this feeling amongst a lot of, that they have the right to do this. They have the right to have the wonderful vacations no matter what, and and that displaces, that pleasure for them displaces what's going on in the world because it's kind of like, well, I've done my thing. Let me go do that now. I follow a blog of a couple, and they're Canadian. They travel. They no longer have a, a home in Canada. They just travel the world, and I laugh all the time because the man, it's like, he's an idiot because he goes to Mexico and goes, oh, it's so wonderful and cheap here. He doesn't realize it's cheap because it's a third world country. He won't get have stuff done in Canada because they have uh, their minimum wage there in Canada is fifteen dollars to sometimes twenty dollars an hour, and then he complains. Which is be- like five dollars American. Uh, well, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's more like ten to fifteen. I, I Come on, now it's not that bad. It's only like it's only like two or three percent off. We're always gonna we're always <laughs> gonna make fun of our uh, southern neighbors here. They're not very yeah. nice to us anymore yeah. when we cross the border. Yeah. So oh, they're just tip for tat. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is I, I get, you know, and, the, and for me, everything is connected. I always see uh, circles within circles within circles within circles. And I think that this is part of the reason why we've got people that are willing to turn people in, because we've got that, you know, we've got a group of people that just want to have their leisure time, which they're allowed to. But I never think you should disengage from your culture. because well, these, these are the same people, I believe. They're the same people that say, you're a monster if you don't go and get vaccinated. You're a monster because you're, you, are, you are endangering my life. 
and you don't have the right to privacy. You don't have the right to make your own decisions because my decisions, my desires trump yours. I, I think you're exactly right. I, I think that you've got people that have turned this into, uh, you know, we no longer have wars to fight. We, we don't have anything to, so we take on these weird issues like the coronavirus is going to kill all of us unless we pull together where all the, all the data, all the data, whether it's from Israel or Scotland or Germany or England, is showing that the vaccines do not work, masks do not work, lockdowns did not work. I mean, you could look at the stats from Canada of it killed more children. The, the consequences of lockup in Canada killed more children than the vac the COVID did. You know, and amongst certain groups of people, the vaccine is killing more people than COVID did. Um, they've turned it into this. So, yeah, but it's, it's, they've just expanded it. And I don't know whether the, is it, is it that the government is really that smart? Or Bobby, are we really that a, dumb? You had a comment you wanted to make? Oh, well, my comment is I don't see this just boomers. I see mm -hmm. the younger people too, people in their fifties uh, and forties and twenties that are thinking that everybody should get the vaccine. So I'm just, for me, I'm just not, pointing at the boomers um, because more of the boomers that I know tend to be more quiet. They're not outspoken. But it's interesting, statistically, uh, baby boomers, a certain segment of them, we are more vaccine reticent than a lot of other groups. When they, they talk to people amongst the holdout group, it's the, it's the baby boomers that do not want to get the vaccine and cannot be convinced, whereas you get into the, the people in their 50s, 40s, 30s, they're the mushy group, and they all, I'm just going to wait and convince me. Well, they, they remember the swine flu outbreak of 1976. That was the year I was born. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, the government said, oh, everybody must get the shot. Mm -hmm. And promptly about 400 people died. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what's disturbing is that if you look at the, the VERSA reporting system that the CDC has, and I haven't looked at it for a month or more, but the last time I looked at it, the, the adverse reactions, uh, death related to adverse reactions was over 4,000 people. It and is over 11,000 now. It's over 11,000 yes. now. And, and Harvard, Harvard did a study, actually, on yes. the efficacy of that reporting system and said that they believed that it was failing, uh, yes. that, that mm -hmm. there was yes. actually 10 times more yeah. adverse reactions, they believed, up to 10 times more, yes. were not being reported. So if it's yes. up to, you said how many now? It's over 11,000 Over 11,000 people dead yes. from a since, vaccine. Since January. And people are getting COVID who have had the vaccine. Yes. Yet the government continues to push this dialogue with more and more people getting vaccinated. Yes. So one thing I just recently learned um, is that the VAERS reporting is three months behind typically in reporting. Mm -hmm. And that you, you both probably know that only 1% um, is being reported. But a couple of week ago, weeks ago, I actually looked up the VAERS um, reporting to be able to report and uh, read it through, read through the form. And then I actually went and helped somebody local whose um, family member had died uh, 13 days after getting the, the uh, shot. And so um, I explained to her, once you get on the form, you only have 15 or 20 minutes to fill it out. Mm -hmm. And so she was able to do that. And, but then I, I learned later that if you don't fill out the form completely, oh. 
the VAERS system will toss Kick your out. form yeah, out. And reject it. And most people don't know. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, and see, most people don't even get, when they, have, when they get the shot, what the lot number is. You have to have the lot number. You have to name the you know the doctor, the whoever administered it. So there's many. There can be numerous unknowns that a family member might not know if they had a loved one who perished. So it's just um, so to me, it's you know it's become so you know it, we know it's not the COVID, but that was used to bring about all this fear and push people into getting um, the shot. In the past, I had read somewhere that uh, there was one vaccine that they tried in the past, and when they reached 100 deaths, they shut it down. That's they right. shut the whole program down. They said no. So now we're up to 11,000, and we go, it's okay. It's only killing a certain amount of people. So let's follow the money a little bit. I mean, no. who, who benefits from this? Big Pharma. Well, no, not only, but it, it's, it's gotten much broader because I would assume... From COVID entirely, um, Bill Gates is buying a testing company, so I'm sure the testing companies do. Any company that was involved in doing any remedial, uh, you know. Well, I, I'll tell you this. I, I was surprised yesterday. I was driving uh, past the Y in Soldatna. And there, you know, I'm always looking at commercial real estate because I'm always looking for the next best thing. And I saw this uh, this this unit at the Y that I've always liked. It's a little small place. It's got a kind of a solarium off the side of it you know the place yep. mm-hmm. and uh and i and i've always looked at that thought gee that'd be a fun little venue to have a coffee shop in with a little guitar stand and you know people could come in there and be highly visible and so i'm always looking at it i'll probably never rent it but um as i looked i noticed somebody had set up one of these pop-up vaccine shops mm-hmm. it's like they are everywhere yep, and who right. who are these people that are getting these grants and this money to run around and vaccinate people well and for pfizer i didn't mean to interrupt no you, that's Jason. fine that's okay. fine for pfizer for just this year um what is it they're anticipating making what is it 13 billion just this year and moderna is a little bit less than that and i learned recently that um i was listening to dr mccullough and he was saying that because he's just stumped as to why doctors across the whole country are just pushing. What's the largest and group of investors in uh, well, big, pension in, funds in are hedge funds and pension funds. And, and and what's the largest section of the population who is depending on pensions or has the has senior? Pension yeah, the funds? boomer. Yeah, the seniors. That's the boomers. Right. The boomers. Right. I would argue, as an Xer. Um, you know, we were one of the smaller generations to come along. Most of us are bitter and jaded. Um, had to scrape for everything we got. You know, I mean, uh, we had to walk uphill both ways in the winter, butt naked to get to school. You know, <laughs> yeah, uphill both ways. Yes, exactly. I mean, it was bad for That's us. That's image. But I uh, <laughs> but but the the you know um, when I was in school, we studied economics. It was part of the degree I was pursuing and. And uh, we talked about this phenomenon, the boomer phenomenon, and the impact that the boomers as a population from birth all the way to present day, um, at that time it was 1999 when I graduated, but uh, that they had pushed every major trend in society. And there were some projections that they were making at that time, even about um, nursing and assisted living and 
um, the types of industries where there would be the highest demand for professionals mm -hmm. and how schools were tooling up to uh, sort of crank out these people that were going to support this massive bubble in our demographic, the, the boomer bubble. And um, I find it ironic that that this pandemic comes along when the boomers are the most at risk segment of the population. They are the largest segment of the yeah. population. Mm -hmm. And is it no wonder that the response we saw was so protectionist towards that part of the population and that anybody outside of the bubble, age-wise, was scorned for saying, now, wait a second, I have a 99% survival likelihood of if I get this illness, and most of my friends have already had it, and they were asymptomatic, and, but you're requiring me to take an emergency drug that has not been uh, properly vetted or tested that has been shown to have lots of negative side effects or the potential, therefore. But of, and, and, and so, yeah. but, but this narrative continues to, to go along. So when I ask about, you know, follow the money, where is the money? We can look at the big evil people like Bill Gates and George Soros and, you know, as billionaires. But we can also look to this population, this segment of the population, and say, now, wait a second, folks. You know, um, think about your grandchildren. Think about your children. Have we become so selfish as a society to say that no one matters but me? So uh, I'm, again, oppositional, defiant disorder here. Um, I, I'm that generation. I've never said, I told my daughter up front, honey, this is, I will die to protect you. That is my role in life. That's what I will do as a parent. When it first came out with the lockdowns and the vaccine and everything, I said, no, I'm not that interested. It's got, it's got nothing to do. So, I mean, I think it looks like that, but the, um, the group that's dying is that older group. In, in Quebec, more people over the age of, and it, it, the province of Quebec, I think, is an outlier because they're starting to look at it because so many older people did die. And they're saying, what did you do? that the percentage was that much higher. So, so the older people did die. And I personally don't know anybody that's older that sat down and said, well, you have to protect me. I, I, it's some other weird, and I know it looks like that. I'm also invested in the stock market. I never care. Oh, you're one of those. I'm one of those. <laughs> well, you have to. There's nothing you can do. I mean, you've uh, every, every form of everything was taken away from us. Sell coffee. Sell coffee, yeah. <laughs> they tax me up the yin yang, you know. If I sold coffee, I mean, you know, and I, I, I don't have anything I could, any tax deductions or anything, you know. You own your own home, you pay cash for everything. Gosh, you know, they get you coming and going. Welcome to my life. Yeah, well, there's a lot of us out there, but I, I think I, I don't think it's as simple as the older people said, "Let's kill all the young people," because that's that, that's who's dying is the older people worldwide. So this definitely did kill off the older people. I, I think it was a confluence of events. I think that there were people that bought into it. Um, I, I think there are people that invested in its futures. Uh, they're not me for sure because I don't, I'm a passive investor. You know, People with the name that starts with an F and ends with the I. You know. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. That's a whole different. That's a whole different story because they're part of that medical. What did uh, Eisenhower called it? The uh, the uh, technocrats. Not the technocrats, but he called it the war industrial complex. We've now got a medical industrial complex or something that's that's just making. They made. They made, There's 40 new COVID billionaires. 40 new billionaires. 
profited, new people profited off of COVID? Moderna just had five since January. Mm-hmm. But what, you know, many people that are um, older have money invested in mutual funds. But they don't know where those monies no. are going. But easily some of those monies could be going yeah, towards, you know, the pharmaceutical, the, uh, the manufacturer of these uh, various uh, drugs. Um, it's, to me, it's frustrating because I know people, I personally know seven people locally who have died mm. after getting mm. the shot. It might have been um, a matter of like one person 13 days. It might have been two weeks. It might have been within a month. Um, I think Jack Brown was three days. He was 13. He was 13? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and that's how the game of telephone works. Yeah. And, and I actually helped his wife, Debbie fill out the VAERS uh, report. And I worked, I worked for Debbie when I first got out of college. She was the uh, director for the American Red Cross. Yeah. Okay. You know, and I went to school with Jack's children and ran yeah. cross country with his daughter. And, yeah, great, you know, great, great guy. And, uh, and I can also say that on the other flip side, you know, that um, my sister had a brother-in-law, served as a, in the U.S. Uh, Navy as a submariner, and he died from COVID at, I think he was 23. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, five shipmates got it, and they all came ashore and got treatment, were sent home, and he had a flip over in the middle of the night and and died the next day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not to deny that Mm-mm. that um, that the pandemic is a thing, but really to say, what is what's the economic what's the economic um, driving force behind it because because we've heard policymakers and politicians say this is an excellent opportunity for the great reset justin trudeau was one of those people who said that and uh we've heard it from numerous leaders across the planet we can see these quote-unquote philanthropist billionaires uh, who I think are probably more accurately described as eugenicists. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, fun- yeah. dumping millions of dollars into this. And you know that they've never done anything in their life that wasn't profit-centered. And so that's the question that, that I keep asking. And, you know, we can look at these huge, huge issues and become pretty dismayed. Because there's not a not a whole lot that we can do about them, but um, you know, so I want to kind of dial it back a little bit from this national and international discussion to what's happening at home. How can we deal with that? I just heard that uh, our illustrious doctor Ann Zink just met with the first lady, and um, why is Ann Zink still in the position she's in? I remember last year in Thanksgiving, we were told not to have dinner with Grandma. Yet Ann Zink was able to send her family on the camper, the van life adventure mm. of a lifetime. <laughs> and she, through Canada, mm. down to the West Coast to go rock climbing and surfing. And had, they had a grand time. She left to go visit them. You know, the rest of us were in lockdown. And yet she remains at the top, in the top position in our state 
It's chief medical officer. Who hires what, her? What is Dunleavy doing? He hires her. Does does he hire her? Yeah. So yeah. he's yeah. and so so she's hired. So by the him. question is, is I mean, we can look at the the Jeff Bezos and the Bill yeah. Gates and the Soros, but I mean, that's they're so far outside of our universe. There's nothing right. we could ever do to to um, address that. But right here at home, mm-hmm. you know, we have people like Ann Zink who are put in charge and give us these edicts and directives and then we see what happened in Anchorage following all of that and and the usurper mayor uh, I heard one Anchorageite say the other day called called Austin Quinn uh, Davis that the usurper mayor you know who who was illegitimately appointed in violation of the city's charter yet there is no rule of law nobody's gone to jail there's no no uh, criminal charges being being uh, levied against any of these people what elected officials do we have actually speaking up and challenging the status quo? Isn't the only one basically the council um, woman from Eagle River? Yeah, and then we had uh, Laura Reinbold, who is Senator Laura, Laura yeah. Reinbold. We had Senator Mike Schauer. Um, we had Representative uh, uh, Kirka from the Valley. We had Representative uh, Eastman from the Valley. We had Representative... Uh, Carpenter from Nikiski, um, yeah, Representative Vance from Homer. Okay. But see, they were all marginalized and put into the shadows because a handful of Republicans jumped ship and made this coalition that yeah, carried wish, the uh, narrative forward. Yeah, I wish uh, Dunleavy would get on the phone with DeSantis and get encouraged from DeSantis to stand up if Dunleavy wanted to stand up. You know, I had a four-by-eight sign for Dunleavy in my yard. I I campaigned actively for him and told my friends and neighbors they should vote for him. And he talked a big talk. Yeah. I think he got into into it, and he sees it. Well, you were there. You were there, Jason. You saw the morass that it is. You saw how it's like, it's kind of like... Let's break that word down. (laughs) Morass. Let's not. (laughs) It's kind of like, you know, hiking through thick mud. And uh, I I think he saw which way the wind was blowing. But, you know, there have been people that have bucked that trend. President Trump So do you think that he's a relativist? That Dunleavy is a relativist it, or a Machiavellian? He'll do yeah, what, what is pragmatist. most expedient? He's a pragmatist. He, he really wants to stay there. Who was it that recently said, maybe you two know, um, that basically in all levels of our government in every state, we have been compromised by, by Chinese infiltration? So they could be on the roll. You know, they, they, Dunleavy, I'm not saying he is, but it's very possible he's getting financial support to stay quiet. You know, it'd be really nice to think that that's the boogeyman under the bed, but I actually prefer to think it's 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 just stupid it's they're venal they're stupid they're uh they've no. they've maybe got uh, bought into the belief system that they need to be the ones that save and that, that's what i respected about president trump because i think at any time he could have walked away and not cared in well, you know I, i'm gonna say uh, something i'm gonna say something really sort of controversial for all those trumpians out there uh-oh and this is something that's bothered me, is that just like Dunleavy has allowed Ann Zink to continue in her position, Donald Trump allowed Dr. Fauci to stay in his. And 
And uh, if you can't you can't see it right now, but Loretta and Bobby are fighting over the same mic. <laughs> we have we we haven't we haven't uh, been able to uh, we haven't been able to dial our two other mics in. So we're we're making do with two mics today. I, I actually I'm I'm going to defend. Okay. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. Okay. Question: Who came up with the uh, the phrase warp speed? I believe that's the phrase. Yeah. Would President it be, would it Trump. Be, oh, okay. Yeah. Regarding I it was the Jean, vaccine, Jean, Jean, he uh, was water. touting and touting, <laughs> yeah. touting the vaccine, and he was patting himself on the back that this he did it warp speed, and he is still pushing the vaccine, yeah. aka yeah, really it's a, a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that causes me pause. It causes me yeah. pause too. I am, yeah. I am watching. Well, you know, you know, he's a germaphobe. Well, you know that we're not mindless drobe, yeah. uh, drones yeah. just because yeah. of what we said. Yeah, no, I, I, it, for me, I think it's a, it's a failure of his. But I also think, for me, I see, I see this picture where I think, you say, where did, I, I think this whole thing was utilized to get rid of President Trump. I think they saw it coming. I think they saw, they let's it. be, you know, whether it was a deliberate thing, let's be oppositional to what he's, he's got going on, let's defy him. People saw an opportunity to make money at the same time. And I also think he wanted to be reelected because for me, I don't see America coming out of where we're going, quite frankly, unless we get back to his principles. And I think he saw that. He needed eight years. For me, he needed eight years. I, why did he keep Fauci? Because I think he was surrounded by people that he couldn't trust. Well, I have and to say this, that, you know, our perceptions about the, the levers of power and who actually oh. has their fingers and hands on them, whether it's a button or lever, or, oh. you know, um, my eyes were opened in Juno yeah. that, that uh, the deep state that Trump talked about, I think that's one of the things he really got right. And yeah. and I think that, that his use of the term deep state actually... Um, minimized just the 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 pervasive yeah. uh, corrupt um, slimy deepness of that yeah. state um, that it, it almost trivialized it uh, into a convenient little soundbite and and detracted from just the the negative reality that it is mm-hmm. and going to Juno and and seeing how um, the legislative legal department worked mm-hmm. seeing how uh, the administrative uh, uh, wing of the legislator, the, those those bureaucrats that stay there from session to session and don't work for any one legislator, but the legislature mm-hmm. yeah. as support staff and seeing how those folks entrenched yeah. speaking yeah. out against uh, opening the Capitol were able to close the Capitol from the people yeah. throughout throughout yeah. the session yeah. and kept almost everyone out of the hallways. Yeah. And it was just a small group, a uh, handful of employees that were, uh, quote unquote, worried about their health, that were able to hold the entire state hostage and separate them from contact with their government yeah. to stop yeah. them from their representative contact with, with the folks they elected and, and created that sort of isolated way for the legislature to act and and now we can see with uh, yeah. the budget that's that's been uh forwarded to the governor and and the governor's response and and um the things that made it into that budget that uh folks yeah. like peter machicki our local senator said would never happen yeah 
how, how that all happened. Well, it's easy to get things by the public when you don't allow the public access. Yeah. You know, there's a science fiction writer who's passed on now. His name was Jerry Pornell. He had, uh, he, he, he thought a lot about bureaucrats and how people work, and he developed what was called the Iron Law of Bureaucracy. And he said there's two types of people that go into bureaucracy. There's one group that really wants to forward the mission and the goals of that bureaucracy, whether it's clean water, clean air, you know, children and family services. And then there's another group that go in there just to further the bureaucracy. And he said, unfortunately, what happens is the second group usually wins, and the mission of the bureaucracy, any bureaucracy, becomes just to keep that bureaucracy going, to expand it, to make it bigger, to give it more, to, to more power, more money, and they, they lose count of their goals. I have a list here, and I've been carrying it around, it's over 25 different, state of Alaska has over 25 different loan programs for, ho for home loans, 25 different distinct programs. And I don't, I've never heard of them before. I've never heard of these. But you go, sure enough, you go to the Alaska Housing website and there's 25 different programs. That means there's 25 different offices with a person in them running that because I'll bet you anything, one person is going to say, well, you can't have my pro loan program. I need my own office, I need my own doorway, I need my own chair, I need my own table, I need my own secretary, I need my own part of the website. That's what, that's what they do. That's what they do, you know, and I think we've lost sight of that because we go, well, this one helps me because, you know, I'm a single woman and I need help. Well, I'm not a single woman and I need help, so I can't use your program. Well, there, you know, and um, we've lost sight of that. And that's how it metastasizes. It starts at that level and it gets, so you magnify that to the federal level, you've got chaos. I wanted to shift it up real quick for some serious news. Uh, this comes in from the Babylon Bee. This is uh, Trump sneaks back into the White House hidden within Trojan ice cream cone. And they've, they've even got a picture here of him looking outside of the uh, waffle cone. He's got a little slit for his eyes. It says Washington, D.C. In an unprecedented attack on democracy, former President Donald Trump has managed to sneak back into the White House hidden within a gigantic Trojan ice cream cone. Experts suggest this may be the fulfillment of a prophecy that foretold the glorious return of the true president who actually won the rigged total disaster of an election. Wow, chocolate chip, said President Biden as the massive frozen confection was rolled across the White House lawn up to his front door. Overcome with desire, Biden dove face first into the cone and began to try to swallow it whole like an anaconda. With Biden distracted, Trump has taken up residence in the Oval Office and is now issuing executive orders. While experts acknowledge this is a serious constitutional crisis, they have so far been unable to coax Trump out from behind the resolute desk and have failed in pulling Biden off the ice cream cone. Camilla Harris has been asked to run the, count, uh, the country until authorities figure out what to do, but thus far they have been unable to remove her from a local donut shop. So some hard-hitting facts from the Babylon Bee. But, but it does touch on something that I would... My father died from Alzheimer's, 
And this was well before it became this wonderful thing that is, it's very popular right now. And resources... Alzheimer's is popular right now? It's just on everyone's mind and everybody's mind right now yes folks you've tuned into the ammo can coffee conservative hour of power and comedy show (laughs) we try to make it funny but you know i remember us going through uh the diagnosis which there isn't one till after they die you know they they can definitively they look at the brain and that and just resources and um i actually my heart breaks for joe biden because I remember the day I realized my dad had Alzheimer's. And we were doing something, and he had an electric screwdriver, and he was trying to put this shelf in a closet. And he looked at me, and with absolute utter terror in his eyes, he looked at me and said, what is this? And he was looking at the screwdriver that he had in his hand. He did not know what it was. And I've seen that look in Joe Biden's eyes a couple of times when they've asked him things. And... It distresses me, much as I dislike the man and his policies. I just, I don't understand why we as a country can stand and watch them do this to this man. He should not be there. And I, I don't understand why people don't, we laugh at it. Well, the I comedians think the left, laugh at it. I, I don't understand. Le- I think the left have an utter contempt for just humanity. I, I, think, I think that the left really are, are positioned in a way that, that, Friends and neighbors serve a purpose. And if it's their loved one, that's one thing. But outside of their little bubble, that true altruistic, you know, concern for their community and for everyone in their community, not just their select group, that that they they do. They they have lacked. They're they're rapidly losing heart. What about Jill Biden? I don't understand her as his wife to watch that utter humiliation. I saw my mother do those things. You don't under- talk to anyone who's had a father, a brother, a sister, anyone go through. We're watching this happen and the way she takes his arm and the way she talks to him and the way she does. This is what you do with Alzheimer's patients in the very beginning stages of it. Well, and maybe she, you know, maybe, maybe her motivation, she- maybe her motivation is actually one that is centered from love. Because this is a seat that he sought his whole life, and now he's he's uh, attained it, right, wrong, or indifferent, and she's going to empower him to enjoy it while he's got it. Well, she's fulfilling a role, right, as his handler. I, I, yeah, I just. So this is uh, this is just a little brief snippet from the Alaska Watchman. Uh, Joel Davidson is the writer, and it says it's time to decide. How will your kids be educated this year? And I'll just read this real quickly. It says, with the first day of school just a few weeks away, Alaska parents have some tough decisions to make. Many have already decided to continue or begin homeschooling or private education. While every family is different, many parents want to avoid the interruption, mandates, and general uncertainty surrounding COVID-19. Others want to ensure their children receive an education that supports rather than undermines their deeply held cultural and religious values. If you're considering an alternative to public school, we recommend contacting nearby private schools or one of the many homeschooling programs available in Alaska. They're actively enrolling students for the fall and are more than willing to give tours and answer nuts and bolts questions about finances, schedules, and curriculum. 
The education of our children is one of the most important gifts we can bestow. It is critical to think deeply about the very best options we can realistically provide. Here are some helpful links to begin your research. And there's three links here, publicly funded homeschool programs in Alaska, independent non-governmental homeschool options, and 50 top religious and private schools in Alaska. So if you want to see that, just go to the alaskawatchman.com. Uh, it's one of the one of the trending stories or items there on their homepage. And uh, this is a question that's facing us all. And um, I've homeschooled my own children for a number of years now. And I can say that I've not been disappointed. It has presented some challenges. But uh, in this state, this great state of ours, it's one of the things that uh, we can look at with pride and acknowledge that we do have freedoms other states don't provide and the uh, educational stipend that they they uh, provide families to help with schooling children while it's not the same amount of money they would give the brick and mortar school it is a significant uh, uh, little pile of cash that you can put into quality um, educational materials for your kids and most of these homeschool programs have outstanding staff uh, I know we choose to use IDEA which uh, comes out of the Galena School District and uh, their slogan is homeschoolers by home uh, for homeschoolers by homeschoolers so mm -hmm. their support staff are family members who have homeschooled their own children and so as we approach the school year uh, the uh, recommendation would be to carefully consider your next move and the time to register is rapidly approaching. So, uh, do I think we have time for uh, another one of our important uh, rules from the Book of Rules. Again, this was uh, written by Joshua Belter, local FAA uh, employee and uh, persona. He's a musician and uh, very creative individual. This is BOR 3-11. So Book of Rules 3-11, Protocol After Finding Money. Finding money on the ground is a gift from heaven. Small change and occasionally currency can be found almost anywhere while shopping. A found nickel or quarter may not sound like much, but over time, discovered small change can add up. However, discovering small change while shopping really isn't about the money. Luck is a fairly intangible thing, but a small portion of luck is bestowed into your life with each discovered coin. A. A small portion of an individual's positional awareness should be dedicated to the discovery of change or currency while shopping. B. If the individual who dropped the change or currency can be easily determined, returning the money is mandatory. C. Every individual in a six-figure household shall, at one point in their life, intentionally drop currency in the amount of $20 or more to be discovered by another shopper. <laughs> and one, uh, subsection like one, one of C, anonymously yeah. waiting to discover the recipient of the dropped currency gift is discouraged, although not prohibited. <laughs> D. Individuals shopping with young children are encouraged to discreetly drop a few coins on the ground while checking out. This serves two purposes. It keeps children occupied in the checkout line and prevents their wandering eyes from discovering candy bars and other items children often pester parents to purchase. 
So that is Book of Rules, rule number 3 dash one one. Whoa. There you go. <laughs> there we go. It's a great collection. Yeah. <laughs> so we will have Mr. Uh, Belter on the podcast at some point. I just uh, that would be fun. Reacquainted myself with him uh, this last week. Uh, he had come in when we first opened our shop, and then had a series of unfortunate events that uh, delayed us getting back together. But it was nice to see him this week. And uh, we hope to carry his book here in the shop for people to buy as gifts or their own amusement. Um, very good. Yes. So, Loretta, you, you still have a very impressive stack of stuff. and um, I always have lots of things to yeah, talk about. Yeah, we, so, we, know, we don't have enough time. People so need we, to show up w- afterwards, the, yeah. rummage through it, and we'll get a little discussion so let, group let's, going. Let's talk about that again real quick. So this is called the Conservative Hour of Power. And Enlightenment Salon. So what is an Enlightenment Salon, Loretta? Well, you know, you're, you're more the history buff, but my understanding of it is, is it was uh, a way that the uh, French used to disseminate ideas prior to the revolution because they were not getting out. People were not understanding what was going on. They were not understanding how to learn things you mean the press wasn't allowing them to tweet out their uh, their opinions on just like today <laughs> just like nowadays where the government says that they want to shut down certain people yes and so so in france would that be called le tweet yeah le tweet le tweet le tweet, le tweet. I guess. Yeah, okay yeah. so but you know and i i talk to conservatives all the time and um I think we need to become more, our arguments need to become more coherent because we're, we're being beat on messaging, quite frankly, because we, um, we tend to go to an emotional place and stay there, and our opponents have been so well-educated, so well, you know, the, uh, you, you talk that deep state has really infiltrated all levels of our governments. They're even down... Um, was it uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg had a group that he funded that they actually, did you know this? They actually funded two of the boroughs in Alaska during this last election with election help. They gave sums of money, and one of them was a real small one. It was up near Denali. Because you can go look it up, and it was really amazing. I thought, what are they doing? You know, they actually were able to reach into, you know, rural Alaska with this 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 funding. God bless broadband. Well, it wasn't broadband they provided. I'm sure it was <laughs> it was it was you know indoctrinational you know information. You know, they came out and they educated people about the political process, but they have their view. I I think we need to start doing. Loretta, the same. I think that's pronounced process. Process. <laughs> called process what rule was that again i come from canada we call it the process you know leave leave me one thing leave me one thing i've I've given up everything else come on just leave me that okay i'm allowed to pronounce certain things the way i want to all right what do you how do you say i say advertisement what do you say advertisement 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 Advertisement. Oh, you're I'm out. I'm so you're, you're, sorry. You're, 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 you're voted <laughs> off of the island. <laughs> I'll come up with other ones. I'll okay. think of more. Oh, we'll get into spelling. Oh, Labor, no. L-A-B-O-U-R. Yeah, that's the French coming out. No, 
it's that's English. La Bella. <laughs> it's English. The English. I think you like have that. to have that sort of cheeky little giggle yeah. at the end. Fetus. F O E T U S. Fetus. F O E. And the E oh, has that little thing over it. F double E T U S. No, it's F E T U S. Yeah. So. That's so some redneck for. Redneck. Yeah. Or actually, that'd be F E E D F E E D U S fetus fetus yeah F E E D U S fetus. All right, so we're gonna take this opportunity to say thank you for tuning in to the Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon, sponsored by Ammo Can Coffee Social Club in the heart of downtown Soldotna, Alaska. If you're in town, stop by, have a great drink, meet some friends, become a club member. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback and maybe even have you on the show. Uh, for those of you who enjoyed this hour and would like to hear more, uh, please support us on Patreon with your donation. Uh, sustaining support is appreciated. And uh, just to let you know a little bit, show you behind the curtain what we're going to do with that money. Uh, first of all, we're going to sort out these mics so that we can have all four of our guests uh, at the table instead of having to fight over microphones, although uh, that was somewhat entertaining. Um, and uh, we're also going to be banking that money so that we can bring you some quality entertainment. So the goal is that we want to bring clean, conservative comics um, up from the lower 48 to come to Amokan Coffee Social Club and provide quality family fun and entertainment once a quarter as soon as we build our bank up to be able to do so. And uh, the, the plan is to have a Friday night session with those folks and then have them on the show for a special recorded podcast uh, the following morning, which will then be available as a bonus feature uh, for our sustaining supporters. If you'd like to support us here at the checkout at AmmoCan, you can also just let us know. And a suggested donation of $15 or more would be appreciated. We are in the process of putting together some swag for those of you who would like a sticker. I always like stickers. I put stickers on everything. But uh, we have a, our custom logo that was designed by Liam Floyd. And uh, that's my eldest uh, married son. And that's the stylized coffee cup microphone that you see. Uh, thank you for listening to the Ammo Can Coffee Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. This has been a perpetual political protest in progress. Have a good day, everybody. Bye-bye.